Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where OP ruins the life of the guy who ran over his dog. Our next Reddit post is from Slyro Modus. I had this cabin in the woods high up on the mountainside. When I bought the property, we were able to buy all the land near the cabin except for one parcel. The previous owner of the entire set of properties had a spoiled son who liked to get drunk and gamble away everything he earned. So we got all but one parcel. The spoiled son managed to scrape up enough cash to get one parcel right below our cabin. His parcel was entirely surrounded by mine. There's a road going up and over the mountain that first passes by the cabin and continues on through his parcel, finally ending at a pond below that. When he decided to build on that parcel, I granted him an easement for power, water, and road access, which I had my lawyer write up because I was busy in the city. I was trying to be a good neighbor. I only went up on weekends, so I didn't have too many problems. We managed just fine for a few years. I didn't like the guy much, but we kept to ourselves, though he had a weird habit of sneering at me when he drove by in his girlfriend's car. The cops came out a few times because he was fighting with his girlfriend, but he left me alone until one day during a particularly hot August. His girlfriend left him, but he won at the tracks. He bought a new truck, and he liked his truck. He drove his new truck past my cabin all weekend long, back and forth, nonstop. I was trying to get the last part of a rather difficult book finished, and I didn't need a Mario Andretti wannabe tearing up my peace of mind. But it was a private road, so any traffic problems had to be settled without the help of law enforcement. I had a sweet cocker spaniel named Mindy who stayed inside most of the time and only went outside to do her business. She was terrified of my neighbor's big car as he went up and down the mountain throwing gravel and mud everywhere. When I went outside to tell him to stop, he flipped me off, called me a few choice words, and threatened to run me over if I didn't get out of his way. I just shook my head and went inside, resolving to settle his problem with the lawyer instead of fighting him. I figured it was just the liquor talking, so I walked Mindy and kept her inside that weekend. I had to wear headphones to tune out his act while living in a cabin in the woods. He was pissed because I bought his father's land, despite the fact that his father left him enough money to buy it several times over. He told my solicitor all of this when he wrote up my easement. My lawyer told me about this when I contacted him about the dangerous Dodge dirtbag. He continued driving up and down the mountain like a maniac over the next four weekends. He didn't stop even in the dead of night. He just went on and on and on. I just locked my doors, hoping that he wasn't so deranged that he would set my cabin on fire. Fortunately, the second weekend, my lawyer told me to get a video and pictures if possible, but not to confront him lest he cook up a song and dance for his own lawyer. So, I set up a camera by the corner of my house about five yards from the road. I have groceries delivered once a month to the cabin by the local supermarket in town. This delivery person has instructions to leave the bags on the back porch. I didn't hear her knocking on the fifth weekend, so she just let herself in and put the bags on the kitchen counter. While she was leaving, Mindy slipped outside to do her business, but couldn't get back in. I didn't hear her barking, but I did hear her yelps when the drunk bastard ran her over. I ran outside, and the neighbor was standing over my dog, cursing Mindy. He had run her over, and he was taking his twisted frustration out on her while she was dying. So I shoved him away and scooped her up. I then raced into town to see the vet. By the time I got to town, she was cold, and I knew that it was too late. So I limped back home, broken-hearted and angry. 
I took Monday off and buried her beneath an old bay tree. On Tuesday, I took the footage and the game camera stills into the city and gave them to my lawyer. The footage told the whole story. My neighbor had seen Mindy beside the cabin and had veered off the road to run her down. The evil grin on his red face looked demonic. I asked my lawyer if I could sue him. He said that I could, and we had plenty of evidence to cause him serious harm, but in the meantime, he'd still be living there, and things would only escalate. At the same time, dogs were considered property and didn't have anything in the way of rights. But I wanted a fight, and my lawyer knew that if he didn't throw me a bone, I'd go back up that mountain and beat that dirt back to death with his own wrenched-off arm. My lawyer calmed me down and took out the lease agreement. In this agreement was a standard maintenance clause. But there was also a stipulation in the easement that prohibited acts that might disturb the peace and harmony of the owner. It had a quit clause that automatically rescinded his easement should he persist in such acts for a month or more. My lawyer had sent him a letter to that effect the second week and didn't get a reply. The mail was registered, and he had to sign for it in town at the post office. I had my lawyer serve him with a quit notice. In my state, a notice to quit an easement doesn't have the same level of difficulty as a notice to quit tenancy, which can drag out for six months or more. If you're in violation of an easement and you're ordered to quit by the owner, you can appeal, but in the interim, you must by law stay off the easement. And any utilities passing through can be cut off at the owner's pleasure, unless doing so can cause a life-threatening situation. But I didn't cut off his water and power right away. We didn't start proceedings on the suit until later. He continued to drive on the road after he was ordered to quit, only faster and with more profanity. I got it all on tape. I told him so, and he said that he didn't care. He said, an ugly douchebag like you should just die. So I decided to stay away and bide my time. A month later, I had workers install a nice gate, solid construction in three feet of concrete. I could open and close it with a garage door opener. I had a barbed wire fence installed around the whole property. So the only way in or out was through this gate. I had a pedestrian gate put in beside the road and left that unlocked. It was about a quarter mile to my place and then another quarter mile past that to my neighbor's place. This was a fairly long walk for a raging alcoholic. That weekend, I got great pictures on the game camera. Dirtbag drives up to the gate in his big truck. Dirtbag tries to jimmy the lock. Dirtbag leaves and returns with a hacksaw to try to cut the lock. Dirtbag leaves in frustration. Dirtbag returns with his truck. Dirtbag leaves again. Dirtbag rams the gate uphill at full speed. Finally, the dirtbag laying on the hood of his smashed up truck as it rolls back down the mountain because he had crashed through the windshield. The gate didn't even bend. The truck sure did. He lived. He's still not as ugly as I am, but hey, we can't get everything we want. All these pictures were more than enough proof to show the judge and get a protection order. And since this was a small town, that same judge wasn't too pleasant with him when I sued him for every last penny he owned. We even got his parcel of land and his flea-infested house. We let him keep his busted-up Dodge. Our next Reddit post is from Z6RAR. The story begins when I was a freshman in high school. After school on most weekends, I would walk to my uncle's house to babysit my little cousin. My cousin was about two or three years old at the time and liked to go to the public park that was directly in front of my uncle's house. It was a simple park, about the size of a football field with a playground in one corner and the rest being all grass. 
One particular day, my cousin is begging me to go to the park, so I take him. For a while, we were the only ones there. My cousin was too scared to go down the slide from the top by himself, so I was picking him up and letting him slide from about halfway. He was having a great time and laughing. Soon, a lady comes up with her daughter and they start playing on the swing set. Well, the lady was sitting on the bench and her daughter was trying to play on the swing set. Now, here's an important point to this story. When I speak with my little cousin, I speak in our native language. He can understand English, but I'm just so used to speaking my native language with my family that it just happens naturally. So I'm speaking to my cousin trying to encourage him to go up to the top of the slide and he's on his way up, psyching himself up. Then I hear the lady yell out, Hey, you need to speak English when you're around me. Huh? I'm just telling him to. This is America. We speak English here. Uh, I'm just trying to play with my cousin. He doesn't speak English too well. I lied. He does understand English. I don't care. You speak English when you're around me and my daughter. So at this point, I'm pissed off. I've had my experience with racism, especially post 9-11. I'm Indian, but I look very Arab and I got harassed a lot after 9-11. This, however, was different. I'm just here with a kid and he was visibly having an awesome time playing at the playground. There was no reason for this lady to impose her BS on me. So I decided, F it, if she wants me to speak English, here, have it. I said to my cousin, hey, let's ignore this B word and continue to speak in my native language to tell him to slide down. What did you just call me? Oh, I called you a B word because that's what you're being. Oh my god, I'm calling my husband and he's gonna kick your butt. At this point, I feel the need to try to get out of here, so I start telling my cousin that it's time to go. While I'm trying to leave, she keeps yelling and screaming at me about how her husband is on her way and he's going to kick my butt, blah, blah, blah. She even says that she's going to call the cops because she thinks that I'm a P-word and whose kid am I with anyway. Regardless, I leave and go home. I was paranoid for a few weeks after that incident, thinking the cops were going to want to talk to me or something. I avoided the park for a while. I told my uncle what happened and he agreed that I should avoid the park for a while too. So now, let me get to the revenge part of the story. Now we're in the present, and it's been over 10 years. I graduated high school, and I got a job at our local plant. The thing about this plant is that it's one of the few places in my city that pays well over minimum wage. A lot of people in my city try super hard to get into this plant, but few do. Most people end up moving out of my city or commuting over an hour to where all the good jobs are. Another important note, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, but through a series of promotions I got due to actually having computer skills and being at the right place at the right time, I ended up becoming the number two person at the plant. I have a really good plant manager who has a lot of faith in me and he's taken me under his wing. So one of my job responsibilities is hiring people and making sure they get trained properly. A couple of weeks ago, we had to let go of one of our office ladies. So I called up the placement agency I use and let them know that I need an office administrator type person on Monday. Monday comes around, and guess who shows up? Yup, you guessed it. It's that racist lady from the park. She, for whatever reason, doesn't recognize me, but be assured, I recognize her. Her face is ingrained into my brain. I go through the typical introductions and pass her off to HR for a bit to make sure she fills out some paperwork. 
After all that, I give her a tour of the plant and let her know which areas she's allowed to go to and which areas she's not. I pass her off to the ladies in the office and let them start training her. That's most of my interaction with her. I'd pop by the office throughout the week to see how she was doing and get any updates on her performance. I start to think about what I'm going to do. Do I want to keep this lady on staff? Is it even worth taking any revenge? If yes, what should I do? I finally made my decision. You see, through my conversations with her, I found out that she's been wanting to get into this plant for a long time. This was like a dream job for her. The placement agency had been sending her over an hour away to commute, and she ended up quitting and letting the agency know she wanted a shorter commute. I decided that I was going to lead her on and make it seem like she was going to be staying with the company and then let her go unexpectedly. So, on Thursday, I set up an appointment with her to finish up some training. I just had a PowerPoint presentation I went over with the new employees. In the training, I get to talk to her a little more and ask her if she's been living in the city for a while. She says yes, and I ask her what part. She mentioned that she lives near the park near my uncle's house. I said, oh, I used to go to that park all the time. I used to take my little cousin, but I stopped because I ran into this racist lady one day who threatened to have her husband beat me up because she wanted me to speak English. Her face changed. Her face went from kinda happy to straight scared. I think she finally remembered me. I concluded the training and didn't say anything else. Friday came and she showed up to work. When she went to lunch, I called the placement agency and told them to call her and let her know not to show up after lunch because we won't be needing her anymore. I could do this because she wasn't an actual employee. We just had a contract through the agency and didn't need any valid reason to let her go. There was also just something very satisfying about firing someone while they were at lunch. So that's the story so far. I'm sure the office ladies aren't too happy with me because they're going to have to retrain a new person starting Monday, but it'll be okay. They always say that revenge is a dish best served cold, OP. I feel like you left it cold for 10 years, then took it out of the freezer, zapped it in the microwave for like 30 seconds, (laughs) and then served it to this racist woman. Our next Reddit post is from Corrigan. So a couple of months ago, while away from my apartment, I got a phone call from the leasing office asking if I was inside my apartment. I said no. They said that I needed to stay away from the apartment until they called to let me know that it was safe to go back. Naturally worried, I asked why. They said that a man had broken into the building's attic and had managed to use the attic access in my apartment to enter into my apartment and was now barricaded inside. After about a six-hour standoff, the cops kicked open my front door and pulled the guys out. As a temporary fix for the door, the maintenance put a new strike plate on the remaining splinter door frame so that I could at least close it. Thinking that they would return the next day to complete the repair, I was cool with this. Now, the temporary strike plate only allowed me to close my door, but wasn't actually securing it. The broken frame that it was screwed to made it so that a little bit of weight applied to my door would rip the whole thing apart and allow easy access to my apartment. Obviously, this was not secure for a long-term solution. After calling and talking to the management in person just about every other day for four weeks without anyone coming to fix my door, I decided that enough was enough. I needed a secure door for my apartment. The office kept saying, we're working on it, without any actual repairs attempted. So, I decided to go to my local news station, which has a consumer report investigative team. 
This same news station had reported on the initial incident the month prior and were very willing to do the follow-up story. They came out, took some video, and did an interview with me. They then tried talking to the management, but ended up getting kicked off the property. They put together a beautiful segment for their nightly news that perfectly displayed the incompetency of this leasing company. Watching it was a very beautiful moment of revenge for me. The next day, the entire maintenance crew was at my apartment and replaced the whole door and frame with a shiny new one. Down in the comments, we have this story from Mr. Surly. Years ago, I had an upstairs apartment with exterior steps and a landing. I kept telling the management office that the boards were getting soft. After repeating this for a couple of months, my foot went through one of the boards. Just one foot, no injury. I went to the office and said, my foot just went through the floorboards outside my apartment. What? Yeah, it's been spongy for weeks. Why didn't you say something? What a bunch of idiots. That was our slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.